This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. Open seven days a week, three blocks east of Coquitlam Center in beautiful Port Coquitlam. MetroMotors.com. Elvis Patterson goes top shelf on Blackwood. And the Canucks, with a power play goal, take the lead. We told you Damon Severson has good memories of this area. Played junior hockey nearby. Severson walks in. He And Severson ends the night. The Devils come from behind, down two at one point to win it in a shootout. Well, how about that? It's frustrating for sure. I mean, you got some guys playing some big minutes. Alex Viegas played 25 minutes tonight. It's, uh, is it frustrating? Yeah. Now, here's J.D. Berg and Andrew Watton. Yeah, welcome to Rinkwide, the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside J.D. Burke back once again Saturday, 3 to 5, getting you caught up on everything Vancouver Canucks as we always take a look back at the week that was for the Canucks and then take a look forward uh, to what's happening with the team. Of course, we'll be teeing up the Canucks and the Stars tomorrow, uh, J.D., well, quite the week for the Canucks. Uh, a win against the New York Rangers and then a, a loss last night uh, to the New Jersey Devils, but plenty of storylines to get to, including uh, Louis Erickson being a healthy scratch for the first time, uh, the Chris Kreider elbow on EP40 that we just heard Bob McKenzie's opinion on there, uh, Quinn Hughes joining the team, the savior, Bobby Orp. No, yeah, let's yeah. not go that's, there. That's, that's, what what there. that's what I heard. Uh, what else we got? Oh, yeah, Chris Tanev done for the season. Uh, uh, Antoine Roussel done for the season. Anything I'm missing here? JD? Well, uh, nothing that I can think of. I think you covered just about all of it. I mean, the the big story, of course, is we're all waiting to see what Quinn Hughes can do in this yes. lineup, and we're going to get an update on that about the midweek point. Uh, bone contusion, I think, was the word on yeah. him who blocked a shot against the University of Minnesota last Friday as his team was eliminated in a from game the that NCAA he probably should playoffs. Have, well, sorry, he played the second game. That's I right. I think he, he probably, did, yeah, yeah, but it was limited minutes. He didn't really kind of, you know, have the free reign that he had previously, and then of course with an injury to his ankle, given the way that he plays the game, he's going to be limited. He's not going to be his usual self. So, uh, definitely not operating at 100%. No coincidence then that the University of Michigan was eliminated in that second game. Yeah, And, uh, of course, as I just mentioned there, Chris Tanov, broken foot last night, done for the season. I mean, you talk about a guy. I mean, he's a warrior. We have to give him that. He's definitely a warrior. Uh, Putting his game on the line uh, in games that are really, you know, meaningless for the Canucks right now, depending on uh, how you look at it. If you're a part of Tank Nation, well, you're liking the fact that they're they're losing games, uh, but losing guys like Tanov, I mean, that's just a, a, another blow to a, a really good hockey player and a guy that, um, you know, I, wa- I don't want to say he's hard done by because he does put his body on the line uh, each and every season, but uh, another season where he's going to play, what, less than 60 games uh, for the Canucks. Uh, before we get to what, uh, or the back check, and uh, give you guys a breakdown on what went down uh, this week with the Canucks. Uh, let's get you caught up on who's on the show. We're going to have Corey Hergott, our regular Utica Comets reporter, of course, from Canucks Army. He'll be in the second block here of the 3 o'clock hour. And then in the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to speak to uh, Sean Shapiro, who we've had on before from The Athletic in Dallas. Of course, the Stars are in a race right now uh, for a playoff spot. And then we'll speak to Patrick Johnston from the province, uh, Vancouver Canucks reporter as well, and we'll get the latest 
list on the Canucks. All right, let's get into the back check right now. Like I mentioned, two games for the Canucks over the week. The uh, Wednesday affair with the New York Rangers in town. Of course, the 25th anniversary of the 1994 Stanley Cup. They didn't celebrate it. Yeah, I, I are, don't are, think the Canucks <laughs> celebrated it at the very least. I mean, you know what? I have a question, though. I mean, I was three years old for that that Stanley Cup series. And was the season really ending that early? Because, I mean, it's it's barely March. Is this really the date? Of, no. Oh, okay. No, it's just that you, you just mean annually. Yeah. Okay, I was confused for a second. I thought you meant, like, the specific They didn't day. play, like, 50-game seasons well, back no, then. That's why I was so confused. <laughs> you, you had me lost there for a second. I mean, like... No, but it was 25 years ago, and, of course, it'd right, be the last... Right, right time that they'll face the Rangers uh, this season. I believe they've already been to New York. I, 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 yeah, they did right? their yeah. their Eastern swing. And I right. think, honestly, the Canucks are all too eager to not see the New York Rangers, given what went down on Wednesday. I mean, Antoine, well, Rousseau, hey. we're going to get to that later. Yeah. Of course, they win the hockey game 4-1. And I'm but sure they the won the is, game, yeah. The team is thrilled about that. Whether they should or shouldn't be is another matter entirely. But they are Well, the team's going to be thrilled about it. It's whether Tank Nation is. Let me finish. I was going to say, but they are proud athletes. Players never tank. That's an organizational strategy that goes up to the top in management and even ownership to a certain extent. You think they tank as well? I do. I mean, remember the Buffalo Sabres when they were trying to get Connor yeah, but that, McDavid? But this team, this Vancouver Canucks team, you think that right now... That they aren't intentionally tank. It's I just, just think they make bad moves, to be yeah, honest. That's, that's why it's an unintentional <laughs> tank. <laughs> All right, let's break down that game, though. Uh, Jacob Markstrom got the start, starting goal, made 21 uh, saves for the, uh, the win. Tyler Mott, how about this? Two goals, 11 seconds apart, and it was his first goal since February 2nd, so he had to get two of them. Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle himself. Fan favorite of Jason Bruff. Uh, Alex Adler uh, putting in work again. He had uh, 29 uh, minutes and 22 seconds of ice time in that game, so he's a real workhorse. But, of course, uh, the, the, the biggest stories that came out of that game, there was really three, of course, leading into the game, Louis Erickson being a healthy scratch for the first time as a Canuck, Mr. 6x6 six six himself. Uh, sitting up in the press box, eating some popcorn that night. I wasn't in the press box uh, that night, so I didn't re- I didn't see Louis up there. Didn't get to hang um, out with didn't him. Didn't get to hang out with Louis, although we did hear him speak before last night's game, and honestly, I've been you know following this team for as long as anyone else, and I can't remember the last time I heard Louis Erickson speak. I mean, he is probably the most quiet $6 million man in the yeah. entire NHL, just in every respect, even as a player, when things are going well for Louis Erickson. And he's the type of player that you don't want to notice. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and of course, that kind of raises the question, why are you going out and acquiring a $6 million for six years left winger whose, whose best attributes are the type that don't necessarily reflect in the box score? I think there's a, a worthwhile conversation to have there. But uh, you know what? I, I do always wonder, though. You saw those photos of Louis Erickson during the break when he was in Mexico. I wonder if there is a little, like, hidden side of him just waiting to come out, waiting for the right moment. Yeah. You know, and... and of course, I don't think it's going to happen with the Canucks. I think what we're, we're at here is something of a watershed moment where I think everybody is starting to realize that there is no salvaging this. I think that's what the healthy scratch Louis signifies. Erickson, you mean. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think that in this offseason, uh, the impetus is there for
for the Canucks to explore a trade, and of course his contract is back diving. So but the bonus is to get the paid bo- on the, the first, and this is yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so there, there's a realistic possibility that they could move Louis Erickson, yep. and I do wonder about teams like the Florida Panthers, the Arizona Coyotes. Well, Florida might not be honestly the Coyotes for sure. Um, I'm looking more at the Ottawa Senators as a team that could possibly yeah, they got to get off the salary really floor, uh, salary cap floor, so they might be able to explore a trade for Air- Louis Erickson. I know everyone says, oh, you can't trade Erickson. Like, his, his, his contract's an anchor. Well, after he gets paid out these bonuses on uh, July 1st, then you're only looking at carrying his salary cap at that point in terms of on, on your cap. Uh, and, and, then, he's and, and, and then he's only $3 million dollars after that as well. So the time might be, or this might be the end of the road for Louis Erickson in Vancouver. Obviously, he will still play out the stretch here. Um, would you be surprised if he was a healthy scratch again? No, no. I think that, that they've kind of... The floodgates are open. And uh, you know what? The way the team is getting injured, I think that we might be in a position where they can't afford to healthy scratch Louis Erickson and not so much in the sense that he adds so much that they can't afford to not have him in the lineup. It's that they cannot afford not to have him in the lineup because otherwise you got Tyler Mott playing in your top six. Yeah. That's kind of where they're at. Now, what I would like to see is you got Antoine Roussel down with injury. you got all these players on the shelf. Now is the time to get the Zach McEwens in. Now is the time to get experimental. Big fella. Yeah, the big fella. Even if you're not trying to uh, actively win these games as an organizational perspective, as an organizational uh, mandate, then you have to take this opportunity to look at what you have, look towards the future. And you know what? Full marks to Travis Green because he's getting players like Guillaume Brisba. Brisba. He's getting games. He's getting games. And, and honestly, I don't think there's much there. I think perfectly ideal situation is he settles into a sixth or seventh defenseman's role. But I want to see him get the opportunity to prove there's something else there. Because that's how it works with prospects. And I want to see something similar happen with Zach McEwen. I want to see him get a shot. That's what I want to see. And if it comes at the expense of Louis Erickson, all the power to him. I think he's earned his shot. I think this is the exact time to get experimental. And even to take it a step further, I know we haven't looked at the goaltending situation yet, but now is the time to get Thatcher Demko his reps, give him a solid foundation to work on going into this offseason, because he's kind of had something of a lost year. And I don't think it gets talked about a lot. He was injured coming out of training camp. He was injured again at about the midway point of the season with an MCL sprain. They need to find a way to make up for lost time. And again, same kind of emphasis as I had for Zach McEwen. Get him in there. Give him some rope. See what happens. Yeah, and it's quite interesting to see how they're going to deploy um, Thatcher Demko down the stretch over these last few games. I mean, I know they have, uh, is it, uh, what are we looking at, 11 games left right now, I believe. So with a back-to-back being uh, tomorrow and then uh, with Monday's game against Chicago, it's interesting to see how they do. I mean, they got four games next week and four games the week after that as well. So uh, be interesting to see how they deploy Demko. But you're absolutely right. Uh, this does does feel like an, almost like another lost season for Thatcher Demko. And yep. I mean, uh, he's getting up there in age in terms of uh, it's time to you know decide what you want to do with him uh, in terms of the future. But when Jacob Markstrom's playing the way Jacob Markstrom's playing, it's hard also to pull him because he's been so good uh, for the Canucks this year. Arguably uh, their MVP, in which uh, that gives me an idea because we are trying to think of what we were going to do for a poll question today. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll put that out there. Who, who are the Canucks MVP? We'll, we'll think 
think about it before when we go into the break here. Uh, but let's get caught up on what else happened as well. Uh, you talked about the Roussel knee injury, uh, a pretty awkward play with Brendan Lemieux. Some people uh, thought it was a dirty play. Honestly, I thought it was just one of those things where they got tangled up. And then, of course, uh, Elias Patterson taking that elbow from Chris Kreider. Uh, again, as I go back to Bob McKenzie stating that he thought it was a dirty play. But mind you, we talked to Ray Ferraro earlier in the week or, or before we talked to uh, Bob McKenzie that was on the Sakaris and Price show. Um, and Ray thought that, you know what, this is just one of those plays that he didn't think it was malicious in terms of what Kreider did. But he did say that, he, you know, he went for the hit and he got a little extra afterwards. Now, whether, the, you know, it would, the intent was there or whatever, I think the key to that play, though, more than anything, of course, Kreider got uh, five in a game for that, and then the NHL handed down a $5,000 fine afterwards. But Ray mentioned this, and it, it, it's a, it makes a good point. You kind of have to, the NHL needs to distinguish what, the rule really is right it's 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 there's too much gray area in the headshots you go to europe if it's a headshot it's a headshot and it gets called as a headshot and then there's the uh a subsequent uh penalty or whatever afterwards right so yeah. this is where the nhl and then you know to have varying opinions from two very keyed in nhl insiders tells you that uh there needs to be more uh, they need to distinguish the rule more thoroughly well and another point i would make too is that they they have a baseline from which to start in the sense that I didn't I was not aware of this until it happened in that game but if you injure somebody with an elbowing penalty, they're going to call elbowing, and you injure that player, it's an automatic five in a game. Yeah. And I found that out on Wednesday. Learned okay. something new every day. Yeah. So they've got something to work with. They've got a starting point, at least for the specificity of that in- incident, where they can maybe, if they don't want to go all the way on no headshots or whatever, that's kind of a starting point. If you make contact with the elbow to the head, that can be an instant suspension or something to that effect, right? You can get creative. Uh, there's always kind of a gray area that you can work in, and I wonder if the NHL, given its hesitance to go all in on eradicating headshots, would look at it that way, like... Because I, I, I think the NHL sees that a lot of its entertainment product is rooted in the violence of the game. And I think that they're very sensitive to that. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of why we see ho- hockey kind of quietly eliminating fighting, not making a, a, a complete ban, but kind of grandfathering it out one rule at a time. Like and the I, visor. Like the visor, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, what's the point? You're going to be punching plastic, right? Yeah. And, and I wonder if they're going to Well, not take- only that, there's, and there's not that many, you know, for lack of better word, meatheads out there yeah, anymore. Yeah. Everybody's got to have... Some skill. I mean, even the guys that are. I mean, look at Evander Kane. I believe is still uh, leading the NHL in penalty minutes. I mean, Evander yeah. Kane. If yep. you think of Evander Kane, you think thirty goals. You don't think you know scrappy. I mean, obviously he's a tough. He's a tough. He plays the game tough. That is. Yeah. But I don't think of him as a fighter or anything like that. So, um, I mean, the Bob Proberts and uh, th- those guys are way gone nowadays in the NHL. Yeah, the Eric Bransons too. I, I can't believe that there would ever. Uh, never mind. Yeah, I mean, like- <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So then we got Russo. Of course, down in that game as well. He's done for the year with a knee injury. Uh, last night's game, the Canucks uh, blow a 2 0 lead in the third period, end up losing 3 2 in a shootout. They go seven rounds in the shootout. Uh, Elias Pettersson, of course, uh, opened the scoring uh, in the game for the Canucks. His first goal in 11 games brings him up to 59 points on the season. And if you're keeping track, that's one behind Ivan Holenka and Pavel Bure's rookie scoring record for the Canucks of 60 points. So that's in the bag. He's going 
going to break that, and yeah. you know, barring an injury, of course. Uh, but Chris Tanov, as we mentioned, uh, broken foot last night after blocking a shot. Chris uh, or Alex Edler again, the workout work, workhorse, uh, almost thirty minutes of ice time uh, in the game. Um, what are your takeaways from that game, that loss uh, for the Canucks? Jacob Markstrom again getting the start, the start and goal with thirty one stops. Well, one of my first takeaways is that. There's a new product out there on the market for people who suffer from insomnia. And it is Canucks New oh, Jersey Devil Games. Go, here we go. That was an awful hockey yeah. game. Come on. I mean, here's the thing. I sometimes... I PVR'd it because I, I work till 7 o'clock with, uh, with, with the Scares and Bright show. So I was like, you know what? Instead of listening to it on my ride home yeah. and then watching when I get... I'm going to... Because that's a PVR-worthy game. Am I, am I wrong? <laughs> uh, you are wrong. And you know what? I just wonder about that team sometimes. Like, are they... Ever Ever gonna shake the ghost of, of Jacques Lemaire? Like I feel like yeah, they're haunted by him forever. They had, uh, I think, uh, I think it was, and, and I could be wrong on the number, but I think they had eight guys in the lineup that had played over thirty games in the AHL this season. Well, that like, was a uh, whole lot of who's this guy? Who's <laughs> yeah, that guy? That's, yeah, that's not exactly a great indictment of where I, where they're at. And they didn't have Taylor Hall. They didn't have Nico Heischer. Uh, you know what? Never mind the entertainment factor. That should have been a shoe in for the Canucks, I think. And especially because the Devils have one of, if not the absolute worst road records in the NHL. And uh, you know what? Like my my strength when I'm when I'm writing when I'm talking about the team is taking a step back and doing the the, the bigger picture, I guess. And and some are greater doing the the micro. I always take a step back and look big picture. Uh, you know what? For me, one of the big takeaways from that game, we talk about getting Zach McEwen into the lineup. Chris Tanev is out for the season. I wonder if this is the moment where we're going to see Jalen Chatfield get his shot because I know that Jim Benning has singled him out as somebody that they wanted to look at down the stretch. He's been healthy. He's been well, Josh well Tevis is in the, town as well. We haven't he's, even he's mentioned. He's a lefty, though. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. So... I, I think the way that Travis Green likes to, to have yeah. three right, three left, that's going to lend itself well to Jalen Chatfield getting his shot. And we're going to have to ask Corey Hergott of yeah. Canucks Army that in the next segment. And by the way, folks, if you want to chime in, reach out by text at TS. At- no TSN. Reach out at text 104040. Email us live at tsn1040.ca and we will be glad to read your text on the air. Yeah, absolutely. And I do see there's a call coming in right now. Guys, we're going to take phone calls at uh, 345 today because uh, we want to get through this first segment here and then, of course, uh, talk some Utica comments. So we'll take phone calls at 345 if you guys want to chime in. But, of course, uh, you can text in to the Brain and Injury Law inbox at uh, 104040 as JD uh, just said. Said the last takeaway. Uh, oh, from- I got some fan mail. There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> JD, JD, it's interesting because you had uh, in your hits. For those that don't hear them, JD's on every Friday yep. with Alfred and Bruff, uh, who are moving to mornings. If you didn't hear that as well, JD, we are. Uh, they've shuffled the deck here a little bit. Yeah. Uh, morning show is now going to be six to ten with Alfred and Bruff. Ten to two with uh, Donnie and the Moj, and then of course two to six uh, with Sakaris and Price. Um, but you do a regular hit with Alfred and Bruff. Every Friday and um, at times can be controversial. I know you've taken some heat for and some of the opinions you've had and, and you stand by them. And, and I think uh, um, you know, some of the heat you take is unwarranted. But yesterday there was people praising your hit about uh, your thoughts on Jim Benning. And then we did a town hall for what we thought was going to be one segment on Sakaris and Price yesterday. Ended up being an hour. We took an hour of phone calls. The inbox lit up. And uh, I, I know and I don't want to, you know, 
throw somebody under the bus, but there was a lot of upset fans with the way this management group has uh, worked things over the last, well, since they've been in power, really. Well, you, you know what the point projection is for the Canucks this season? 79.5 points per HockeyViz.com. Last year, they finished with 73 points. That's with Jacob Markstrom playing out of his mind hockey. That's with Elias Pettersson coming in and stepping into the lineup as an elite number one center. Everything goes well. And they're barely six points better than last year on their yeah. current pace. Yeah. And I think even that might be a bit optimistic. And the point I was making yesterday, look, the draft is there to create stability long term. It's there to help you find players that are cost controlled. It's not just that young players have this ethereal quality that makes them uh, instantly better than a 28-year-old. Although based on aging curves, you could make that case. The real difference is that you get cost-controlled young talent that you don't have to surrender assets for, and that is why they are so valuable. Because then you can insulate them with our Tammy Panarins, Eric Carlson's, you name it. That's when you can afford to get those players, and that's why, for me, here we are in year five, and the team hasn't been acquiring draft picks. They haven't been acquiring prospects. Now we're starting to see that because I look at the Utica Comets, and we'll talk to Corey about this in the next segment. Who's coming up next? Yeah. Zach McEwen and an awkward silence. Yeah, and then there's also people that are like, oh, I want to see Jonah Gadjevich. But Jonah Gadjevich isn't... He hasn't played well with the Comets. He's injured. fourth liner. And so they're going to bring him up. I, I believe the last time I checked, he was injured. They called Lind as well. So, yeah, there's just there seems to be a nod. And plus, they're trying to make the playoffs down there. Yeah. And now you've got you know, half the defense is up here with the Canucks. Uh, it's quite interesting. And then some of, the, some of the comments that we got from the people that were calling in, are, uh, they're fed up. They're fed up really at this point. And really, it's hard to blame them. Well, it feels like we've been watching the same hockey yeah. team it's play the same game. games. For yeah. the same five seasons. Yeah, I feel like uh, Bill Murray right now in Groundhog Day. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? On that note, I think we should probably uh, give ourselves a little bit of break here to prepare for Corey Hergot. He's going to tell us why the future is going to be better. He's somebody who is always following the Utica Comets. He knows that we might be a bit negative. He's yeah. going to offer that up. He's going to tell us about the big fella, Zach McEwen. He's going to tell us about Jalen Chatfield. He's going to tell us about a bit further down the pipeline, Lucas Jashik, Cole Lynn, Jonah Gadjevich. Stay tuned. That's coming up next on Rink on your voice for Vancouver Sports, TSN 1040. You're listening to Rick Wide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Watton. Yeah, welcome back to Rinkwide, the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside J.D. Burke. Nice choice for the beat there, Rennell. It's kind of a nice summer sunshine, Sugar Hill. It, it fits the weather today. Yeah, it's absolutely. Beautiful day here uh, in Vancouver. However... We're going to get on the bus and head to Utica. We're going to talk to Corey Hergott here in just a second. Beautiful, exotic Utica. Yeah, be- Utica's beautiful this time of the year. That's what I hear. <laughs> From I'm, Canucks, I'm New York. It's just I've been, I've been, I've been. I played a lot of hockey in uh, Wait, the state of New York. Aren't you from Toronto? I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I'm from Southern Ontario. Just yeah, out, yeah, same thing. Just outside of Toronto, but yeah, no, we played a lot of hockey, and uh, uh, I've been to uh, exotic uh, cities like Rochester, uh, Utica. <laughs> Have you had Syracuse? the privilege of going to New Jersey? <laughs> Keep it topical. No, I haven't actually. I haven't actually. The Garden State, they yeah, call it. Didn't play. Uh, played a lot in Michigan. 
and a lot in upstate New York. But uh, let me tell you that it's uh, it's not a place that I'm uh, I'm going to visit this summer. Not 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 uh, it's not on the bucket list. Yeah, right now. I don't have to travel for the draft this summer, which means I can treat myself to an actual vacation. Yeah, not that I don't love my job. Don't get me wrong. Are you not doing the, Oh, that sorry, the draft's here. The draft's yeah, here. I was yeah. thrilled to go to Dallas last year, and more yeah, thrilled Dallas to go is to, okay. It is okay. I've Austin, heard Houston's really good too. Austin is better. Yeah, of course, South by Southwest. Yeah. Uh, before we get to uh, Corey Hergot here, this we figured out a uh, a poll question for you guys, and it kind of ties into uh, Mr. Hergot as well. We're asking you today on the Subway Canada poll question: Who from the Utica Comets do you want to see get a look down the stretch from the Canucks? We gave you four options: Jalen Chatfield, Lucas Yasik, Cole Lind, or Jonah Gadjevich. Uh, and right now, uh, it's spread out pretty uh, well. Basically, Chatfield, Yasik, and Lind are basically 30, 30, 30. Most people want to see a Cole Lind, just 50 votes in. We've only had it up for a couple of minutes anyway. Let's bring in Corey Hergott now uh, from Canucks Army, a regular here on Rink Wide as he uh, gets us set uh, for or tees up uh, what's been happening uh, with the Utica Comets. Corey, thanks for joining again. Thanks for having me on again, fellas. Absolutely. So, um, as this season goes along for the Utica Comets and the Vancouver Canucks just keep plucking guys uh, from the farm, uh, the Comets have found, them, found themselves now in fifth place in the North Division uh, with a loss on Wednesday to, uh, on the road to the Rochester Americans 3-0 uh, last night uh, facing the uh, Springfield Thunderbirds and losing that game 2-1 in a shootout. Today they face the Hartford Wolfpack. That one's just about to get going in about uh, 20 minutes. Is it just a matter of, you know, the Comets being depleted by the needs of the Vancouver Canucks right now? Well, I think that's that's a pretty big part of it. I, I believe yesterday the team had uh, 12 of their 18 skaters were either on an ATO, a PTO, or an AHL deal. So uh, not a lot of, um, you know, that uh, the NHL prospects um, healthy and available to them at the moment, uh, which, is, you know, it, it's really kind of, it's taken a bite out of out of their special teams in a big way. Their, their power play and their penalty kill have really fallen off a cliff uh, in the second half for the season here and it's it has a lot to do with a lot of their uh you know their mainstays have been either injured or uh, called up to vancouver so uh the injuries and call-ups definitely haven't helped the team much rink wide on tsn 1040 we are joined by Corey hergot of canucks army another factor i wanted to look into Corey was the goaltending i know the canucks they acquired uh merrick mazanitz from the new york rangers for a seventh round pick he made his way back down to utica in the ahl they've also got michael layton who right now is polling about a 906 save percentage at the AHL level. Not exactly stealing games for them. Can you speak to the goaltending and what type of a factor that's been in the comments slide? Well, I th- well, Mazanitz hasn't even got a win to his credit yet with the team. He's starting today, and he's starting against his former team, so hopefully that'll get him into the win column. Um, Leighton, he's been pretty solid, really. I mean, both guys kind of have. It's, it's really just been more of an issue of the fact that uh, you know, Oliu Levy is out for the season. Evan McEnany's out for the season. Ashton Sautner is up in Vancouver. Guillaume Brisebois is up in Vancouver. Uh, Luke Shen is up in Vancouver. There's five of your top six defensemen who aren't available to the team. Uh, Jalen Chatfield missed a large portion of the season with a broken foot. And, uh, you know, until that happened, he was clicking along pretty well. Not not offensively, but he was playing a, a sound game and playing very well with uh, Oliu Levy. 
he broke his foot, and since he came back, he had a bit of a string of uh, some tough bounces and bad luck where he had pucks going in off of him, and uh, or he was coughing up a puck that led to a goal. But his last uh, probably three or four games have been really uh, settled down for him, and, and he's starting to play a little bit more like the Jalen Chatfield that I'm more used to seeing. Well, that kind of leads me into my next question here, because our poll question right now is, who would you like to see get a shot down the stretch run for the Canucks from the Utica Comets? Right now, Cole Lind is running away from it, uh, but it is a small sample. We just let, put the poll up very recently. The other options are Zach McEwen, and of course, Jalen Chatfield is right in there as well. Uh, do you think Jalen Chatfield is ready to get a look? Because he's somebody that Canucks general manager Jim Benning singles out repeatedly as somebody that they're hopeful to get a look at this season, especially down the stretch run here as they get the opportunity to experiment given that the playoffs are now lo- no longer a part of the realistic picture. I don't think I would have even questioned myself saying yes to this question if it uh, if he hadn't have had his injury earlier in the year and, and missed uh, such a big stretch of hockey. I think that kind of bit him a little bit and he's battled uh, a little bit in coming back. So I mean, uh, I think he probably would have been uh, kind of easily ready for at least a cup of coffee like we've seen from Guillaume Brisebois. Um, I think it might be pushing it a little bit right now because he's still kind of fighting his way back from, from that injury and, and kind of getting back to his game again. Uh, that said, if, if they called him up, I'd be happy to see him get a look. I really have a lot of time for Jalen Chatfield's game. Uh, he's the kind of guy that his game maybe might translate a little bit better uh, at the NHL level. He's such a fluid skater. Uh, he's very um, kind of rough and tumble in his own end. He, he's very good with body positioning and stick positioning to, to take uh, his check off the puck. He, he's a guy that I do have a lot of time for, so if they do want to call him up, I'm all for it. Uh, Corey, what's what's your stat or your take at least on uh, Trent Call and the way that he's sort of run uh, the Comets this year? Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, have uh, put heat on Call. Some people's thinking that maybe they might make a change at the end of the year. Of course, uh, you know players like Petrus Palmu uh, leaving the team, and of course uh, Jonathan Dolan, who at one point was considered you know one of the top prospects for the Canucks, and then of course they moved on from him. Whether you want to believe that he asked for the trade or whether the organization that soured on him. Uh, what's your take on the status of Trent Call in terms of after this season? Well, I personally, and I know this might not be the most popular take in Vancouver, but I, I, I want to see him back. Uh, if we look at, if we break down what's kind of happened since he's uh, taken over as, as the coach in Utica, he's had largely undrafted players to work with down there and a couple of those guys have played NHL games already another one has been traded uh, uh, straight up for Josh Levo so I mean that, that that has to be considered at least somewhat successful that, that he was able to extract that from those players who weren't deemed good enough to be drafted uh, this year you know the Canucks dropped uh, eight rookie wingers on him um, when he can only play uh, 12 in a game so that's really kind of handcuffed him a little bit especially when they brought back guys like Darren Archibald and Reed Boucher um, and knowing Brendan Gauntz and, uh, or Tyler Mott would be heading down as well I mean that the wings were pretty jammed up there um, for all of those young rookies so I think overall he's done a pretty decent job of getting these guys in where he can uh, do I agree with with uh, every decision that he's made, no. I, I'd like to see some of these guys getting, you know, a few more minutes higher up the lineup. 
Um, that said, those those minutes have been going to guys like uh, Reed Boucher, and if you give an AHL coach Reed Boucher, he's going to play him. I mean, the guy's elite at that level, so you kind of have to expect. Uh, you know, that's like giving, uh, I know it's apples and oranges a little bit, but uh, that'd be like trying to take away uh, a Brock Besser from, from Travis Green and saying, no, go play uh, Travis Mott in his place or something along those lines. Um, so I do have time for, for what he's doing down there. Uh, I think he's got some lessons to learn on a few on a few things, and that might be with, uh, you know, maybe giving different uh, treatment to different players. I don't really like to word it like that, but I think you're kind of understanding what I mean. Uh, some players need to be handled differently than others possibly, and, and that might be something that he might want to work on. But uh, that said, if you listen to players who have had success under him, like Ashton Sautner, like Zach McEwen, uh, like Guillaume Brisebois, they, they gush about that coaching staff and, and how they've been uh, they've been treated down there and, and how the coaching staff identifies areas in their game that need work, and, and they work with them. Uh, Jonah Gajevich has, has talked at length about uh, uh, what the coaching staff has done with him. Uh, same with Cole Lynn. So I believe Daniel Wagner had a pretty good article out from uh, his interview with Ashton Sautner yesterday. And, and in it, uh, Sautner talks about his development in Utica and, and what it's meant for him. So I do think that uh, that there's good things happening there. Rick White on TSN 1040. We're joined by Corey Hergott of Canucks Army. Corey, we're up against it, so I'm going to need a quick answer here and try not to hate me for putting you in a, a tight spot given the question I'm about to ask. I look at Lucas Yasek. He has one assist in his last 13 games played. I look at Cole Lind. He's somebody who has a very paltry 14 points in 45 games played. And you know what? Go on down the line. Jonah Gadjevich, somebody who is just not producing for this team in a meaningful fashion. Seven points in 37 games. These are players with pedigree, players who've proven they can produce at other levels. Where is that disconnect then? Because I don't think you can look at what's happening with these players. I mean, you can say you see you see development on the ice and improvement, and that's all fine and dandy, but we don't see the signifiers, which are point production, which are uh, on-ice goals for produced. We don't see the statistical signifiers that they're taking a step forward. And how do you reconcile that with the uh, the notion that Cole is doing a good job with what he's been given? I think the big thing when you're talking about players like Gadjevich and, and Cole Lind is the uh, the step from the level they were at previously to the level that they're at now is is a much bigger step than uh, than a lot of people uh, consider it to be, including the players. Uh, I've heard both of Gadjevich and Lind talk about how that step was way bigger than they expected it to be, uh, and both players have have risen to the challenge. They're not putting up a lot of points right now, but their games are definitely improving. You can see it. Uh, Generally, what happens with a player in the AHL from just a little bit of experience that I have following the team and from talking to others who do, it's not really until the second half of the season when a lot of players kind of, you know, things click for them and they realize what they can and can't get away with anymore at this level compared to their previous level. I think the points will come for, for Cole Lind. Uh, you can see it coming in his game. He's, he's putting himself in positions to get points. I would like to see him playing with players a little further up the lineup. Uh, I think Jonah Gadjevich, people are going to have to be patient and they're going to have to maybe adjust their expectations of him being a top six player. I think he's going to be more of a bottom six guy who's really going to be able to uh, play a good role for this team, but I don't know that that role is necessarily going to be as a, a power forward who's further up the lineup.
Uh, just what the Canucks need, more bottom six players, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, Corey, thanks for joining us again, as always. Uh, I'm sure we'll get you back here in the final weeks of the Canucks season. Thanks again, fellas. Always a pleasure. Corey Hergott, Canucks Army, Utica Comets reporter. We're up against it right now, so we will uh, go to break really quickly. If you guys want to get in with us, now is your chance. Uh, 604-280-1040, 844-876-1040, or you can text us at 104040. Uh, we'll take your phone calls next, and we'll also let you know who crushed it this week for the Canucks. You're listening to Rinkwide right here at TSN 1040. Yeah, welcome back to Rinkwide, the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside J.D. Burke. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Molecule Sports offer high-performance apparel wash and refresh solutions that use science to beat the odor and other things living in your gear bag. Don't let your gear do you harm and discover Molecule at MoleculeSports.ca. And I know that, uh, J.D., you'll have uh, little promotional uh, discount codes that we'll, you can give the people. We'll do that in a second. First, we're going to let you know who crushed it this week for the Canucks. Um not a huge list yeah. this week. Not a whole lot to choose from, but uh, I did tick, uh, pay, pick, that is, uh, Bo Horvat. Uh, two games played, three assists for the future captain of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, yeah. I said it right here. Well, he's and, captain on all but name right now. Exactly. And Alex Edler, uh, who's the workhorse that Alex Edler is. Check this out. In the month of March, uh, six games played. He's averaging 27 minutes, 24 seconds of ice time. And, of course, uh, with the recent injury to Chris Tanev, uh, and some of the call-ups that are going to be happening uh, that we anticipate to happen uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. I don't see that time on ice uh, going down any time soon. I know you've got an injury report to get to as well. That's right, I do, and it's a lengthy one at that. Let me tell you, we've... Uh they never, they never disappoint on that front, or they always do, I guess. It's a matter of perspective. Sven Berchi went home ahead of the Canucks' February 2nd match with the Philadelphia Flyers after not feeling well following the Saturday tilt with the Colorado Avalanche. The Canucks have since revealed that Berchi has been diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome. However, TSN's Jeff Patterson has reported that Berchi has started skating again. No timeline for his return at this point. Just shut him down for the season. That's, that's my two cents on the issue. Thatcher Demko has returned to full health and played in two games since, including including last week, a Thursday night loss to the Edmonton Oilers. Brandon Sutter is out until the end of the season with a sports hernia surgery. The team confirmed about two weeks ago. The question now shifts to whether he's played his last game as a Canuck or not. Chris Tanev, meanwhile, returned to the Canucks lineup, but not for very long, as, yeah. as it turns out. He blocked a shot in the first period of Friday night's loss to the New Jersey Devils, and Travis Green confirmed in the post-game press conference that Tanev is done for the year. The word is it's probably a broken bone in his leg. Jake Vertanen returned to the Canucks lineup last Saturday night against the Vegas Golden Knights after about a month's absence with broken ribs suffered against the Anaheim Ducks. Antoine Roussel, meanwhile, was a casualty of a twisted up knee and a collision with New York Rangers forward Brendan Lemieux. Br uh, Green confirmed after the game that he is also out for the remainder of the season. Has there been any word on the specificity of the injury, like a MCL sprain? Okay, well, let's, let's hope when we do hear about it, it's yeah. nothing serious. It sounds like you won't need surgery anyway. I know that much. Quinn, yeah, Quinn Hughes. Hughes. There you go. I was yeah, wondering Quinn when he was I was in. saving the best for last. He yeah. is here. Bobby Orr. Kind of. <laughs> the Canucks signed Quinn Hughes to an entry-level contract last Sunday. No However, pressure, his debut is on hold as he's recovering from a severe bone bruise suffered blocking.
blocking a shot in the NCAA playoffs last Friday. The team and Hughes are going to reevaluate the situation at the midweek point and decide what their course of action is from there. And I'm going to go ahead and say that that injury report was brought to you by our good friends at Molecule Sports because they've got such a good promo going on right now. I just played hockey for the first time in months last night. Let me tell you, I'm using their products. You can wash your visor with it. You can wash your gear. You can actually wash it in the washing machine as well. And they're giving you 30% off of your first purchase on MoleculeSports.ca using the promo code RINKWIDE. And it will include a free gift of a four-ounce travel pack off of their wash and refresh products. Great for gear, base layers, shoes, skates, etc. Check them out at MoleculeSports.ca. Absolutely. All right, let's get this quick phone call in here because we did say we'll take some calls. We're up against it. But Harmon and Surrey, what's on your mind today? All right, guys. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Great show so far. Um, just a yeah, just a quick point, actually. Okay, so I know I've been listening to 1040 quite a bit, and people are saying, I've been hearing as well on Twitter, that this is a make-or-break uh, season for Jimbo and uh, and management, right? What what I'm kind of curious as to whether you guys agree with this, um, this is his fifth year. He has a terrible track record. How much has he actually added in terms of rebuilding properly? I don't think... Um, as an owner, I would feel comfortable having a guy going into a make-or-break season for his job, knowing that he has 30-plus million dollars in cap space, right? He has the 50th anniversary of the club hanging over him as well. So I don't really think you can trust a guy who is hoping to hold on to the job with all these big distractions that could possibly make him do uh make him have decisions for the short term. All right. Anyways, that's about it. Yeah, thanks, Armin. Thanks for the call. Uh, thanks you're, so yeah, No, you're making great points there, and there's, again, we had the town hall yesterday on Sakaris and Price, and we intended to do it for one segment, which is roughly about 20-something minutes. We ended up going a whole hour. The phone board lit up, and we had people saying, you know, hey, the basically echoing exactly what Harmon said, although Harmon broke it down pretty good there in terms of the money that's at stake, uh, the 50th anniversary. Um, you know, he's making some good points in terms of what has he brought in I mean obviously the, the, the easy one is well he drafted EP40 I mean look at that it was a steal at the fifth overall pick uh, he, he got Quinn Hughes Quinn Hughes kind of fell to them yep. but I mean Brock Besser of course uh, a great late pick uh, but there's other areas that uh, this management team has really struggled in and one of those areas is July 1st and we've had others say it we've had you know insiders like Ray Ferraro say it that put the phone away Jimbo on July 1st. However, this is the kind of July 1st where you could get an impactful player, whether it's Artemi Pernarin. I know Eric Carlson would be a stretch to come to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, but when you've already locked up the money the way you have with the most expensive fourth line in the NHL after they ran uh, to get G- uh, Beagle and Roussel and Schaller. Remember Tim Schaller? Uh, <laughs> on July 1st last year. Yes. Uh, no, Harmon, I can't disagree with everything you're saying right there. And I, I know we're up against it, so we got to go to break here. Maybe One we quick can get, point. One we'll get, quick yeah, point. We'll get your thought right here, but um, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is a really um, tough season for Canucks ownership to kind of figure out, hey, are we going to move on from this current management group? And Francesco Aquilini, the entire Benning era has been a step away from their previous tendencies, which is to fire somebody after one playoff miss, which is to fire somebody when they're concerned about the cap space available to them, and the proof of concept for that is Dave Nonis. Dave Nonis had a ton of cap space available to him in that first offseason, and because Aquilini wasn't content with the work he had done in his short 
short tenure previous, that was concern enough to let him go. So I think with the fire bending hashtag going, with the discontent growing in the city, there is a very realistic chance that this could end up being the end of the road for Benning. And we do have some breaking news, guys. Uh, the Canucks have... Uh They've signed Jet Wu to an entry-level contract, second-round pick from last year's draft, 37th overall. He's right now with 62 points in 61 games for the Moose Jaw Warriors right-shot defenseman, although he can play a bit of the left side. Hell of a pickup in the early second round, and I can't wait to see what he can do, hopefully on an ATO with the Utica Comets down the stretch. And I wonder what the count is going to be for Ric Flair Woos now that uh, Jet Wu is officially uh, signed with the Vancouver Canucks. All right, we're going to take a break here, guys. When we come back, we're going to head to Dallas, talk to Sean Shapiro from The Athletic. Uh, get us caught up on what's happening with tomorrow's opponent, the Dallas Stars. You're listening to Rinkwide right here, TSN 1040. You're listening to Rinkwide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Watt. Welcome back to Rinkwide, the show that always scores. J.D. Burke, myself, Andrew Wadden. Uh, we're going to head to Dallas in just a moment, talk to Sean Shapiro from The Athletic. Of course, uh, this segment is sponsored by our good friends at the Sports Exchange. Need new hockey or baseball gear? The place to go in Vancouver is the Sports Exchange on Burrard and Kits, which some of you might know as Hockey Heaven. If you haven't been there, you got to check it out. It has the largest selection of hockey sticks, baseball gloves in the lower mainland. It's locally owned and has been helping the Vancouver hockey and baseball community for more than 25 years. Check them out. Uh, the Sports Exchange, Hockey Heaven for hockey players, and of course, baseball season uh, right around the corner for Major League Baseball and for myself as well. I know you guys want to know about my baseball season, but oh, now I'm going I'm, I'm, to I'm gonna head it. down there, though, and get myself a bat. They we have some uh, a really good selection of uh, bats there at the Sports Exchange, and um, again for hockey equipment as well. Uh, you can't go wrong. Let's get you caught up on the Subway Fresh Take poll question: Who from the Utica Comets do you want to see get a look down the stretch from the Canucks? We've given you four options: Jalen Chatfield, Lucas Yasik, Cole Lind, Jonah Gadjevich. Uh, Five hundred and sixty-nine votes right now. Uh, nice. Leading the poll is. Jalen Chaffee. No, Cole Lynn, but 42% of the vote. And we did have someone reply. Uh, Dean replied on Twitter saying, why is uh, Zach McEwen not on this poll? Well, we've seen Zach McEwen, and we're pretty much uh, going to concede that we're probably going to see him again with the Canucks uh, going down the stretch. These guys we haven't seen get a shot yet, so we want to see who you guys would be interested in. All right, tomorrow's opponent for the Vancouver Canucks, the Dallas Stars, so we welcome in uh, Sean Shapiro from The Athletic. We've had Sean on the show before. Always good stuff. The last time we talked to you, there was a little bit of controversy uh, with the team, uh, with Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn getting uh, called out, per se, uh, from the people up top with the Stars. As we look at things now, Tyler Sagan having himself a very good season, 65 points in 71 games, uh, leading the team in scoring. Jamie Benn, uh, maybe a little bit lower than usual, 47 points in 68 games. However, the Dallas Stars not only have the first wildcard spot, Sean, they could compete uh, to get themselves into that third spot in the Central Division. Uh, what have you seen so far uh, since at least the last time we talked to you uh, that has changed with the stars yeah it's been the uh the stars have been nothing's been as crazy as obviously what we spoke about last time but the stars have been kind of the uh the drama as the world turns throughout the season 
this year. We go from that, we go from uh, one point Alexander Radulov is late to a practice and late to a morning skate and gets benched in the very next game. He has a hat trick. We have the team that is struggling to score. They trade for Matt Zuccarello and looks like he's adding that offensive punch they needed and then two periods into his Dallas Stars tenure, he breaks his arm. So Never really a slow day for the Stars, and probably mean the most recent thing we're going through is Ben Bishop sets the franchise record, uh, is carrying, he's in, he's in the first, second period of his, what would, would have been his fourth straight shutout in Minnesota, leaves the game, and now we don't know, and now we're seeing whether we're just finding out what's going to happen with his injury going forward. It's, so it's, uh, Stars are a team where it's never, it hasn't really been a slow beat, but it's also been, uh, they're also a team that it looks like they're, they're really much in the chase there for that third spot in the Central. Um, right now, I think between them and St. Louis are kind of uh, sparring back and forth for that. And with their goaltending and with May, with their goaltending and defense and with their, the potential to get some of those guys healthy right before the playoffs, they're a team that at least has potential to do a little bit more than you'd probably think when you initially look at where they're in the standings right now. Rank wide on TSN 1040. We're joined by Sean Shapiro of the Athletic Dallas Fort Worth, Fort Worth rather. And when we last spoke, one of the big topics was Tyler Sagan, who was called out in name by the team owner, and he was talking about how there can't be excuses, whether it's hitting goalposts, whether it's having a low shooting percentage. Now we talk to you a few months later. He's leading the team with 65 points, 27 goals, 38 assists. His shooting percentage is starting to rebound, and I can't believe this, but he's almost got 300 shots on goal this year. Has Tyler Sagan really kind of taken that criticism in stride and and bounced back in a a way that this team kind of demanded of him uh, with that criticism from ownership? It, it, it's, it's kind of funny that it comes up right now because actually Sagan's in a seven-game goal drought right now um, going into tomorrow's game in Vancouver. And you might have seen the may have, may, perhaps one of the more comical empty net misses I've ever seen the other night in Minnesota where he... Oh, I saw that. Pitching wedge. <laughs> yeah, basically we got the pitching wedge out from when all he needed to do was tap at home. Um, but overall, I mean, his play, I think, right after the comments and right after he was called out... Um, not much changed as far as his, his actions. I just I just think more. I think it's just his shooting percentage and his and his finishing just started kind of get back to what was normal. Um, and I also think he kind of took a little bit of responsibility for just what that message said about everyone else. Um, just as far as like if Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan aren't performing, then we're really going nowhere as a team. And I think he kind of took. I think he took some added responsibility from that. And I think. He really stepped up. I don't. I don't want to say the call out basically sparked him to put the puck in the net more, but I think he he had the right response to it, and uh, his play now is at a, at a level where it's he's doing all the right things. He's struggling to score a little bit right now, but overall he's he's been one of he's he's been the star's best player throughout the season, and, and he's just he only kind of hit a, he hit another level offensively right around the time of those comments, whether it was immediate, immediate impact or not. Looking at the schedule down the stretch for the Stars, they unfortunately don't get to face uh, the St. Louis Blues at all, but they do have uh, the Jets in their crosshairs coming up uh, next week. If the Stars had to pick right now who they would prefer to face in the first round, do you think it would be a matchup with Nashville in the 2-3, uh, or do you believe that uh, you know that they can fight it out with the Jets? I mean, either way, it's going to be a tough gauntlet to run. 
Um, I think uh, Nashville to me is if you obviously when you're picking opponents is always a scary game to play, but uh, Nashville to me is the much better matchup for Dallas. Um, they've always struggled with Winnipeg. Um, it's just for whether it's in Winnipeg or in Dallas, um, even in a year where Patrick Liney has struggled, Patrick Liney still owns the Stars. Um, I think Nashville is a better matchup. The Stars have been able to win in Nashville for whatever reason, and I don't even know he probably wouldn't even play, but for whatever reason, Anton Hudobin turns into the NHL's best goaltender whenever he plays in Nashville, and he's been good all year. But he had a 48 save shut in Nashville earlier this year, and he just is, is really shuts everything down there. And also, just from a kind of outside fun perspective, Nashville and Dallas to me have always been those two teams that, if you ever want, if the Stars don't really have a good natural rival anymore, um, if Nashville kind of could be that fit, and plus they play in the Winter Classic next year, so that would that would be the one that would be a I think a it'd be the best matchup for Dallas between Winnipeg and Nashville, and b I think it would be I think it'd be the most fun for what could the long term of actually growing something here of a actual rivalry between two more Southern teams. Tell us about the season that uh, rookie Miro Heiskanen has had this year. He's second in defensive scoring uh, for all rookies behind Rasmus Dahlin, uh, but a minus nine on the year, twenty nine points in 71 games, 10 goals for the youngster. Um, some positives, definitely. Uh, that dash nine, though, that doesn't look too good uh, for a young player. I think I think part of the part of the dash nine is I, I believe three or four of those are empty netters for other teams. I have to double check the exact number, but uh, part part of that is if you take a look at the time on ice and you look at the responsibility, he's getting way more than any team is going to be giving a 19-year-old defenseman or really should be giving a 19-year-old defenseman. Um, he's also been in a spot where the Stars really, while they've while they've been good defensively, the Stars are a team that they really have a top three defense. They really have three top. They have a top three, and then it's been kind of a hodgepodge to figure out the top four. Roman Polak's kind of been in that spot for most of the season, but if Roman Polak's in your top four defenseman, then it's not a uh, then it's not a um, it's not really an ideal situation. So he he has been. It's, it's been really. He's he's a real fun player to watch. He's a guy who there's so many little things in his game that you notice um, that I get to see every single night that that really stand out. Just for example, we're in Minnesota the other night, and it's not just a poke check there where it's, it's his defense partner gets beat and he gets back, and it's not just a poke check. He completely regains control, and the stars are going back the other way 10 seconds later. So it's it's it's, it's remarkable to see, and it's obviously similar to what you guys get to see every day in Vancouver where you're amazed at what the teenager is able to do at an NHL at this level. All right, Sean, great stuff. We look forward to the Canucks and Stars tomorrow, and we also look forward to seeing how the Stars do down the stretch as they make the run into the playoffs. Thanks for joining Rinkwide again this week. Yep, anytime. You guys have a good one. All right, Sean Shapiro. Thanks, Sean. From The Athletic in Dallas. Um, you know, some good stuff there, obviously. I mean, th- this is a team that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're always in it, but do you always, you know, do you consider them to be a contender? Not really. No. They got a lot of high-end talent with, you know, the Sagans, the Bens, the Alexander Radulov. Radulov being the kind of player he is, he's, he's always going to sort of beat to his own drum. Yep. But Miro Heiskanen, I mean, I know we get really excited about uh, the youngster and Elias Patterson here and the, the folks in Buffalo uh, are over the moon about Rasmus Dahlin and how he's been, but Miro 
Heiskanen is one of those players that is going to be a very good NHL defenseman for a very long time. Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, I mean, like, uh, I what a riser in his draft year. He was such an interesting case to follow where a lot of people didn't even have them in their first round. And then by the time of the draft, you saw him regularly in that number two spot. And it was a, it was a really interesting evaluation process. Really difficult to make heads or tails of it. And I kind of lead towards caution at that point. I think I've had him at 10 overall on my board. That's looking a little bit silly in retrospect. And again, all too happy to see him prove me wrong on that front. Turned into a hell of a defenseman. He's only 19 and I can't wait to see what he does as he gets into his mid-20s and starts to hit his peak production seasons. Uh, of course, uh, the Canucks and the Stars tomorrow and we will have full uh, pre-game and post-game plus commercial free intermissions. Uh, John Abbott and myself tomorrow will be holding it down uh, for the Canucks and the Stars. Uh, before they we let to- anyone in here. Yeah, they'll just let anyone host nowadays. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, that Abbott guy, right? I'm just, ah, just kidding, Johnny. Uh, let's get into the Mathletes right now before we uh, get to Patrick Johnson on the oh, other side. Oh, we're doing the Mathletes in this segment. Yes, okay, we are. Well, in that case, Told we're going to be talking beforehand. about... No, we said segment two of hour two. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're like a married couple fighting on well, air Well, I mean, first this guy mentions plus minus here. I mean, oh, I knew we, you we rolled your eyes on that one. We and, can't have the Mathletes and plus minus. And Shapiro kind of, uh, uh, of sort of knocked it down there. It's as a well. terrible yeah. stat. I yeah. love it. It's yeah. great. And my math ladies are simply about the Canucks as a team. Right now, they have a 0.2% chance at the playoffs, and they've been towing about that line for a pretty consistent stretch of time right now, and nothing's too surprising there. We expected it coming into the year. We've expected it for the last four seasons. That's just the way it goes in Vancouver. In that stretch of four seasons, as I alluded to last year, we noted that this team has traded away nine draft picks. They've acquired seven. In that same stretch, the New York Rangers have decided that they are rebuilding for a calendar year. They had three first-round draft picks last year. They are likely to have two this year with the possibility for a third. Are the Canucks really rebuilding? Are they doing it effectively? Are they really building towards the playoffs? They're on pace to finish with about 79.5 points per the model by Makeup Blake McCurdy. Round up to 80. Let's give them that extra point. That's a seven-point improvement on last season, and it feels generous to say that. What is the direction of this franchise? How many more mistakes can they afford? You got Jay Beagle making $3 million. You got Tim Schaller making 2 You got Sam Gagne making 3.15 this season. To play for the Toronto Marlies. If the Canucks are a rudderless ship, I think it's an insult to ships that are built without rudders. And this offseason, they're going to have to make some serious decisions about what they want to do with this team going forward. It's not enough to have these half measures any longer. And that is the Mathletes. Well, you're not wrong about the uh, New York Rangers. And, of course, uh, we want to thank Peter for chiming into our inbox here. Uh, he said, I think the Rangers have done more to rebuild in the last two seasons than the Canucks have in the past six. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm getting some heat from Peter, too. He says, hey, you used my Rangers text and didn't give me credit. Peter, I'm going to have to. Yeah, I'm we gonna, just did. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to have to give you uh, a little bit of pushback there. Because you do hard. write this before yeah, and we that go was, on air. That was well. a, a part of my bit yesterday when I was on Halford and Bruff. Was I, I brought up that exact 
exact equation to that end. I brought up but the fact that this is the point, though, that like even everybody can, e- see, everybody it. can see it. Yeah. We can all see it. And if you look at the uh, draft picks, of course, they do have a conditional first uh, with the Jets. Yeah. But if they do end up get that getting that pick, that's going to be five uh, uh, draft picks in the first two rounds yeah. for the Rangers this year. I mean, and then a bunch of thirds. Exactly. So, I mean, and then an extra fourth. You know, the, the New York Rangers, before we know it, the New York Rangers are going to be whoop, flying by the Vancouver Canucks. And yeah, sure, they might have lost 4 1 the other night, but the future is bright in the city of lights. It's not the city of lights, New York, the city but it's that the never big, Yeah, the city that Come never Yeah, jeez. You're, you're letting me down the segment. I know, man. You, you, plus minus. Yeah, sorry. The city that, of lights? Yeah. Of lights? Come on. What is the city of lights? Is that in LA? I don't know. We'll have to look it up. All right, we're going to take... LA is the city of amazing street tacos. <laughs> I've never been, so I'll have to take your word for it. Uh, all right, when we, on the other side, we are going to strictly focus on the Vancouver Canucks. Patrick Johnston from the province is going to join us, and we are going to talk all things Benning. We are going to ask him what about the poll question in terms of who he'd like to see uh, come up with the Utica Comets or come up from the Utica Comets, get a look at uh, down the stretch here, and also uh, go over the recent rash of injuries that seem to be always plaguing the Vancouver Canucks. You're listening to Rinkwide right here, TSN 1040. This is Rinkwide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Watton. Yeah, that's the goal horn. That's Rinkwide, the show that always scores. Myself, Andrew Watton, alongside J.D. Burke. We're going to bring Patrick Johnston from the province, Vancouver Canucks reporter, in in just a moment. Get you caught up on what's happening with the Subway Fresh Take poll question. We asked you today, who from the Utica Comets do you want to see get a look down the stretch from the Canucks? Four options, Jalen Chatfield, Lucas Yasik, Cole Lind, Jonah Gadjevich right now, 719 votes. Cole Lind is leading, running away with it, 40% of the vote. Some of you guys replying right now. I know they're tongue-in-cheek, but... Asking for Jonathan Dolan. Sorry. That's not right in Canada. Not not a member of the Vancouver Canucks organization anymore. I want to thank... It's actually unsigned in the uh, uh, brain and injury law... uh, Text message inbox. Uh, I asked what the City of Lights was out loud. And it's Paris, brah. That's what we got the return. So thanks to Corey uh, Basso for sending that. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> That's so it. All right, let's bring Patrick Johnson into the uh, conversation now. Uh, Patrick, quite the week uh, for the Vancouver Canucks, of course. Uh, Quinn Hughes comes to town. Uh, Chris Kreider gives EP40 an elbow. Uh, ends up getting a suspension, or not a suspension, but a fine for that. Uh, Roussel goes down with injury. Uh, Louis Erickson's a healthy scratch. Uh, Chris Tanev goes down with injury. Uh, we have people calling in asking for fire bending. I mean, where do you want to start here? Because, man, there's a lot of meat on the bone right now with the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> you guys don't have any good topics? <laughs> right? Well, it's all a matter of perspective. Yeah, exactly. Right? I think exactly. there's a certain segment of the fan base that would find some of those topics appealing. All right. Well, actually, let's okay. Let's start with the positive. Let's start with the real positive. Bobby Orr's here. We already got Wayne Gretzky. Now we got Bobby Orr, Quinn Hughes coming to town. Uh, what's the buzz around? Around uh, the Canucks and anyone that you've been talking to. I do love 
but uh, you know, it was always all as a joke. This name was thrown at him because I think uh, I think Jeff Tambellini was the one who first yep. mentioned that name yep. as assistant coach at Michigan. No pressure, and kid. Think, no pressure. <laughs> I think Quinn Quinn gave his sort of he sort of laughed. He went, "Yeah, not sure about that one." <laughs> but uh, now is that 2010, yeah. 11, 13th forward Jeff Tambellini? Yeah, yeah. Yes. actually, yeah. yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's Trail Smoke Eaters uh, GM right now. <laughs> anyway, oh, it was good. It was a good laugh about that one. I, I can't, yeah. Anyway, but uh, um, it was it was uh, yeah. I mean, obviously the buzz is good. It's uh, it was it was it was a nice to have it. You know, it's been a long year. <laughs> you kind of laid out the week how things had gone. It was just felt like punch after punch after punch. But uh, in, in the middle of all that, yeah, there was the arrival of this. You know, this this player who you know we think is going to be a game changer and and um, you know nice to see him in person obviously i've seen him play but nice to see him as a as you know a human being without his gear on and and you know seems like a nice kid and you know wants to do well and um but yeah of course you know immediately you know the question is how long is he going to be out and you know i mean i noted this a little bit in my post game blog uh, my connect extra story last night you know i mean you think more about it and it it's a bone bruise and bone bruises are usually measured in terms of weeks in terms of you know proper recovery and so the idea that he'll be out just a week does seem a little hopeful um and if i'm the canucks obviously i mean they've been careful with all kinds of injuries i don't see why they wouldn't be careful with this one so uh we'll see you know i mean you do hope just for the sake of uh, uh, you know seeing something different and getting a glimpse of what might be the future. You do hope that uh, you know he gets into some games before the end of the season here. Yeah, they do have a seven-game uh, homestand uh, coming up. Of course, mm-hmm. there's back-to-backs here with Dallas tomorrow and Chicago. Yeah. So clearly, he's not making the trip with the team. Uh, if you had to guess, would you think that you know next Saturday night on the 23rd against Calgary, or uh, maybe the week after that? Yeah, I mean, I you know. Saturday night against Calgary, I think, I mean, realistically, has to be hopeful. I mean, that would be, I think, best case scenario, given that that would be roughly two weeks from when he uh, blocked the shot in the first place. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think Calgary, sometime next week, I, I, I think... If he's going to play, you know, likely it'll be sometime next week. Obviously, later, longer than uh, than the team would have hoped for. Because I mean, I had a feeling like if it hadn't been that quite that serious of an injury, I have a feeling like they would have tried to run him out last night against the Devils, and then probably just not uh, not uh, taking him on this road trip, and then they would have avoided the whole ten game question anyway. So. You know, there'll be there'll be a desire to get him in the lineup, and I certainly you know can imagine that uh, Travis Green is ready to see some other defensemen, defensemen that will make him hopeful about the future. And so, you know, there is that balance. Obviously, they want him to be healthy, but they, you know, I think selfishly almost would like to see a different element of their game uh, sooner rather than later. Rink wide on TSN ten forty. We're joined by the province's Patrick Johnston with a T. And Patrick, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the storylines that Canucks fans should be keeping an eye on down the stretch here? We know the playoffs are out of reach. Yeah. Realistically, I don't think the first overall pick is within reach either. So what are the Canucks fans, what are people in this market going to be clinging to for this last handful of games other than the exceedingly entertainment product on the ice? 
<laughs> I, yeah, I think it's that this just uh, kind of trying to get our head around what comes next. And I think, you know, you, I know you've been talking a lot about it, that need for the wingers and how much work needs to be put into the defense and, uh, you know, making the right decisions in the off season when it comes to making those judgment calls and not just throwing money at whoever's available, but making sure that if the guy that you want isn't there, that you don't make a stupid knock-on decision by just, you know, picking whoever's on your list that, you know, you think you might like and then overpaying them. So I think that's, I think that's the real thing to focus on. And I, I think, you know, there is going to be some, um, you know, the, I, I think the notion of quote unquote playing for spots, I don't think that that's a, a, an absurd notion because, you know, tr- you know, both coach and manager now have, have gone and said, you know, next year's team is, is going to look different and there's going to be different faces involved and, and that, as it should be, because when you're finishing near the bottom of the league year after year, you know, I mean, it is that definition of, of insanity, right? You don't want to keep doing the same thing. So, you know, the, the rhetoric is there and they need to match it with some action. And I think, you know, looking at players like Zach McEwen, you know, I know Utica is in the middle of a playoff fight and you'd like to see them get in the playoffs and all that sort of thing. But at the same time, you know, a guy like Zach McEwen, I think, needs to be seen in the NHL and you need to see what he's doing. And, you know, there's an opportunity here right now that they do need to find themselves a right side defenseman. And, you know, Luke Shen, they know what he is. And, the, uh, you know, I think they probably, in the grand scheme of things, rather see a guy like Jalen Chatfield in the lineup because um, they need to find out what he's about, whether he can, you know, be an option at all in this direction. So, you know, it's looking for stuff like that and, and you know, pondering really who, you know, what kind of player in the future should be playing with Bo Horvat. That's a good segue, though. Uh, we can talk about the Utica Comets and, of course, uh, uh, Zach McEwen. We asked today on our poll question, which of the uh, Utica Comets would you like to see get a look down the stretch? Four guys that we gave the option are guys that haven't gotten a look yet from the Canucks. Jalen Chatfield, Lucas Siathic, yeah. uh, Cole Lynn. Jonah Gadjevich might be a bit of a stretch right now. Hasn't had a great season uh, with the Comets. Out of those guys, though, uh, would you like to see, like, Chatfield maybe might be the best uh, guy to come up. But then again, you know, maybe Cole Lynn might get a look, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, everything, I mean, I've, I haven't watched a ton of comments. I've watched some. I have a sense of some of these guys. I obviously talked to, to guys like J.D. and a few other guys who've been watching a lot more comments. And, you know, I think, you know, in the end, Lynn, Lynn has not necessarily had an opportunity. Uh, he's done a few nice things here and there. Gadjevich, I think, on the whole, hasn't gotten much of an opportunity either, but hasn't done exactly a whole lot outside of that. So I, I feel like those guys are real long shots to come up, and I'm not sure really unless you're truly going to turn everything upside down and and look at, you know, players or, you know, scratch players that you have here uh, and, and really just say, I'm we're done with Schaller, we're done with Granlin. I'm not sure you're going to see guys like that coming up. But, yeah, like I said, I think Chatfield, I mean, they, they mentioned him. They, you know, they don't mention names. Jim Benning doesn't mention names, uh, you know, loosely. He mentions people that he's interested in that he wants to see come up. He mentions, you know, actions he's likely to do. Uh, so the idea that they were going to try to get some games for Chatfield was mentioned before. I still think they would probably try to do that. Um, and Zach McEwen we've seen uh, a little bit of. And I think we need to see more of it, as I said said uh, earlier. The big fella. We all want to see the big fella. 
Patrick, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is we finally kind of, Travis Green, he crossed the Rubicon. He, he benched Louis Erickson. Yeah. thought it would never happen. And now the question is, what is going to happen with Louis Erickson going forward? Because we all know yeah. his contract, how it's back diving. There's only $3 million attached to the final three seasons. <laughs> how do you see this playing out as the Canucks go into this offseason where clearly everyone involved is looking for a fresh start? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you know, Louie, I think himself, you know, I'm one of these guys who actually talks to Louie fairly often. Louie is, you know, let's be honest, Louie is not, uh, he talks. He's not a, necessarily a quotable guy, uh, but he is always happy to talk and, and, you know, I think speaks pretty honestly. And I, I you know, I, I, you know, from having talked to him, a bit, he's the kind of guy that how things have gone, um, have disappointed him. He, you know, in terms of his own production, I think you know you pride yourself on playing, playing hockey well, and you pride yourself on on being able to score. And he was signed to score. I mean, the expectations may have always been outsized and unfair, but nonetheless, he signed a contract because you know he likes playing hockey and likes scoring goals, and he knew that was the task, and he hasn't done that. So, you know, I, 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 there is a pride element there. Um, but at the same time, it's it's been a difficult go, I think, uh, you know, for him emotionally. And, um, yeah, I think, a, you know, a, new, a fresh start anyway uh, is it, in order. And, and you know, I have no doubt that Canucks will try to find a new home for him. And as you mentioned, yeah, his contract is a way more appealing. It's a kind of contract that, uh, uh, you know, one of the league's perhaps weaker sisters uh, or brothers, I don't even know how do we phrase that anymore. What's the right way? Weaker teams. Weaker days. Weaker days, yeah. Uh, you know, would be better. You know, would be would be a good match. Now, the question, of course, does he want to go there? But yeah, I mean, a team like Ottawa would love, I'm sure, love to add a player like him because he'd fill up a lot of their cap uh, floor problems. Um, yeah, I mean, that's you know the team that we kind of mentioned off the top of our head. But you know, things things are always changing and in flux, and other teams could have different ways of looking at this. You know, he's a guy that I could see moving on. I I, I do think the team obviously is going to try, given how much how high they are in Adam Godet. And, and I mean, I, I I banged this drum last summer. I said I don't know how you solve. Uh, you know, they, they need to solve the Godet problem by you know they've gone and signed Jay Beagle. Well, what the heck do you do with Beagle and Sutter? Well, you know, I I think you know as the season progresses. And you know, let's let's be honest. Jay Beagle has been sort of the minimum, but you know, if you're looking for the minimum, he he's done a better job of that than Brandon Sutter. And and uh, uh, you know, so I think they'll probably try to take a look at Sutter. And and you know, like I, Sutter, the, the thing about Sutter is that you can eat half his contract, and all of a sudden he becomes an incredibly appealing player to a lot of teams. I think, and, and the Canucks right now can afford to eat two years of his contract and have him play for somebody else. So you know, Erickson, I think is clear really going to be someone to look at and maybe look at some flexibility in terms of how they manage, manage his cap hit uh, and, and as well as salary that's due to him. And then I would say the same thing goes for Brent Sutter. Poor decisions, eating salary. Uh, this leads me to my next question here. Um, we've Let's seen the fire. Line. We've seen the fire bending hashtag out there. We did a uh, town hall of sorts yesterday on Sakaris and Price. We intended mm. to do it for one segment. We had to do an hour of it because there were wow. so many people calling in and the sediment was all the same, basically saying, listen, we got to move on from Jimbo. Uh, let's be, uh, let's get your take on it. Where do you think, uh, you know, do you think that Jim, Jim Benning's job is in jeopardy right now? 
I, I, I'm not. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think it is now. I think it. I think it very well could be. Uh, I think first of all, two things have to happen. I think, you know, it, it, you know, it, there's clearly a, a fired up section of the fan base, and you know, we hear, you know, you guys have heard it. You know, you see it on Twitter, but you know, that's a reminder that most people aren't calling up sports talk radio, and most people aren't tweeting. And I think only until that starts translating into the stands. Uh, will that make a difference? Because that was, in the end, you know, I think that what knocked Mike Gillis out was that, in the end, there was a public outcry against him that was clear and obvious, and the owner responded to that. Um, and that ties into the second point, which is that, you know, for all for every all the criticism we may have of, of, of Jim Benning, he continues to be uh, the owner's guy. And the owner... Uh, likes what Jim has to say and he, you know, as far as I can tell, has a lot of belief in what he's doing and and uh, until that feeling changes, whether that's from the outside, from people making noise in the building and in the, in the you know, more broadly uh, in the conversation um, or, you know, simply the owner himself just deciding I don't like what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing and uh, that could change. But I, I don't I don't think the, the, the latter is happening anytime soon and like I said, until the, the former starts happening and people actually start making noise in the building, uh, I don't I don't think there's going to be any issue there yet. All right, good stuff. Thanks for that, uh, PJ. Uh, well, I'd like to say we look forward to the stress drive uh, here for the Canucks, <laughs> but there are a couple of positives, uh, one in particular being uh, that we get to see Quinn Hughes uh, yeah. at least sometime soon. So thanks for joining us today. Well, and I'll say, you know what, PD, you know, Patterson scored that goal yeah. last night. I think Beautiful. he finally did find himself in space. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was a good sign. And, you know, he's, I think he's been frustrated too. It has been a grind. He doesn't really want to talk about it, but it's long board games than he's ever played before. Uh, but you know that was a sign to me that you know maybe he's maybe he's fine in his groove. The team can't score, but you know what? If he can score, at least uh, that's something. All right, thanks so much, uh, Patrick. Have, a, have yourself a great day. Thanks for joining us. Take, take care, fellas. Patrick Johnston from the Province Sports, of course, with Vancouver Canucks reporter uh, Johnston with a T. Yep, I'm saying it right. No, I know it's just a running gag. Oh, uh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Inside joke. How come I'm not involved in it? Because it's an inside joke. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, he, that's a great point, though, uh, about PJ right there, though. Uh, that you know, what we maybe have forgotten the, the fact that, yeah, Quinn Hughes is coming. We're excited about that. Uh, maybe we're excited about the draft lottery. Although while we were in this uh, interview, <laughs> I went to uh, Tankathon and did the simulator. I did it only twice. Uh, I got the Canucks in the eight spot both nice. times, <laughs> so falling down uh, two spots. I mean, winning the the, the lottery would be, I mean, something that would just be incredible for these Vancouver Canucks and a, a chance to get uh, the other Hughes brother, but let's be realistic about the whole situation. The, you know, the, the odds are not on their side. I mean, they only have a 7.5% chance of landing the first overall pick, uh, but what has been lost maybe recently is the fact that we are experiencing a great season, rookie season from Elias Pettersson, and he's on the verge of uh, a tying and possibly breaking, uh, or I guess it's just a matter of time, uh, breaking the rookie scoring record uh, for the Canucks. Just one more segment to go, guys. Here, it's going to be a short one. We're going to let you know what's ahead for the Canucks uh, this week. You're listening to Rinkwide right here, TSN 10. Yeah, one last segment here of Rinkwide before we hand things over to Eric Macromella and the Offside Show. I want to thank uh, Renel Desai for the hot fire beats. 
you were a DJ, if you were a DJ Renault, I would actually come out and, and, and hear you because every beat that you've dropped today has been just absolute fire. Only and classics. we had some, yes. some Kanye. Only classics. Yes. Some Kanye in there, too. You got to mix it up. It's yep. a classic. Yep. Uh, all right. So, like uh, we always do at the end of every show here on Rinkwai, we let you know what's happening this week. Uh, the Canucks have uh, four games technically next week. Uh, of course, we'll be on with you uh, next Saturday. So, we'll leave out that Saturday tilt against the Flames. We'll tee you up for the three, though, in between uh, the Dallas Stars tomorrow on the road. That's a four o'clock puck drop, uh, Vancouver Pacific time. And then, of course, uh, they followed up with a date with the dreaded Chicago Blackhawks. Used to be such a rival with the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, those days are long gone now. Have to be relevant to have a rival. That is true. And then on Wednesday, they will face the Ottawa Senators, who are actually ahead of the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, one nothing after uh, 20 minutes. And then, like I said, they face the Flames next Saturday. But we'll be here uh, to tee up that one uh, ahead of things. Uh, some parting words here, JD, before we uh, bid you farewell. Well, I just want to let people know where they can find the show. If you look us up on iTunes, you look us up on Stitcher, you look us up Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Rink wide on TSN 1040. Be sure to subscribe to the program. It helps us grow. And while you're there, I mean, come on, guys. We give you two hours of awesome sports talk, notwithstanding what Wad's saying about plus minus over there. <laughs> and give us a rating. Give us a review. It's going to keep us around for the long haul, and we know you want to hear it, so take the time. Alright, thanks so much guys uh, for tuning in. Uh, join me and John Abbott tomorrow as we will tee up uh, the Dallas Stars and the Vancouver Canucks. It's 2 o'clock uh, pregame for the Canucks and the Stars and of course we'll have commercial free intermissions and the first 45 minutes of the postgame show will also be commercial free. Have yourself a be- or wonderful uh, Saturday on a beautiful uh, spring. Is it spring yet? Spring day here yeah, in Vancouver. Time. Thanks for listening guys. Offsides with Eric Macromella is up next on the voice of Vancouver Sports, TSN 1040. Aaron Gobra. This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Magnuson Ford. One minute west of Seven Oak Shopping Center in beautiful downtown Abbotsford. Online at magnusonford.com.